How do you do? Our program tonight is devoted to the composer whose works are more identified with the piano than those of any other composer. As you might have already guessed, it is the poet of the piano, Frédéric Chopin. Probably no other musician has maintained such an esteemed place in the hearts of concert-goers as Chopin. His music sounds surprisingly modern and sophisticated, particularly when compared to other music composed in his day. Chopin composed and played on pianos which were virtually the same in range and sonority as our modern piano. Chopin's music displays impeccable craftsmanship. It is also most rewarding pianistically for a performer. Chopin himself was an outstanding virtuoso and performed all his own works in concert. Chopin was universally acclaimed both as a composer and virtuoso in his lifetime, but unfortunately he was somewhat frail and delicate and did not have the stamina that Franz Liszt had, and so his concertizing was limited, but his place as the greatest and most effective composer for the piano has never been challenged. And it would be safe to say that all concert pianists since Chopin's day have played many of his works during their careers. The concert studies of Chopin are dazzling pieces of music with which the virtuoso can impress his audience while at the same time they provide beautiful music, a truly felicitous combination. We open tonight's program with one of these etudes. It is number 12 of the second set, opus 25. Chopin dedicated the first set of his etudes to Franz Liszt and the second set to Liszt's mistress, the Countess d'Agoult. Our keyboard immortal is Joseph Levine, who has been one of our constant performers on this series. Joseph Levine, true virtuoso that he was, performed all music with equal authority, and the performance we now bring you is certainly no exception. Keyboard immortal Joseph Levine, playing Chopin's Etude number 12, Opus 25. <laughs>
reading about Chopin's delicate and typical drawing room personality, it is interesting to observe how tremendously masculine and tempestuous his music sometimes can be, as, for example, the etude which keyboard immortal Joseph Levine has just performed. Our next keyboard immortal is the beloved dean of the musical life of the city of Chicago, Rudolf Gantz. Gantz began his career as a cellist when aged ten, but two years later changed to the piano, although he continued to study the cello for a number of years after his debut as a pianist. This is particularly interesting when it is considered what great pianistic heights Rudolf Gantz has achieved. Keyboard immortal Gantz now plays the Nocturne by Chopin, opus 32, number 2. It is in the key of A-flat and is dedicated to Mademoiselle the Baroness de Billing, about whom nothing seems to be known except her name inscribed over Chopin's two nocturnes, opus 32. Keyboard immortal Rudolf Gantz performing Chopin's Nocturne in A-flat. <laughs>
Rudolf Ganz has just performed the nocturne in A flat. John Field, the Irish pianist, created the nocturne form, which Chopin carried to much greater heights. Field was somewhat contemptuous of Chopin, often remarking about Chopin's frailty. Chopin, on the other hand, was heard to speak about Field's coarseness, but more than a hundred years have obscured this quarrel. What remains is more important. Beautiful music. Once again we present that whimsical master of the piano, Vladimir de Pachmann. He was particularly famous for his exquisite interpretations of Chopin, and like his compatriot Paderewski, de Pachmann also had that magic quality that fascinated audiences. We can forgive him his little eccentricities, for he was really a most poetic performer, but he did sometimes startle his unsuspecting audiences. On one occasion, after playing one of Chopin's preludes, de Bachmann turned to his audience and asked, Did you like that performance? The audience applauded and then was a little dismayed when de Bachmann contradicted their approval, saying, That was a terrible performance, but now I will play this piece again, as de Bachmann should play it. Keyboard immortal Vladimir de Bachmann plays another Chopin waltz, that romantic one in A-flat marked Opus 34, number 1.
De Pachmann, like many of his contemporaries who performed for Herr Welte, wrote a letter of high recommendation about the Forsetzer, and we are delighted to be able to keep alive the lovely playing and interesting memory of keyboard immortal Vladimir de Pachmann. Next we present one of Chopin's most unusual works, the only one of its type that he ever composed, the Bolero. The most popular example of the Bolero is, of course, the one by the French composer Maurice Ravel. Chopin's Bolero, while based on the triple-time rhythm of the Spanish dance, is what might be called a concert Bolero, for Chopin could not resist interspersing his typical lyric melodies throughout the work. In fact, parts of Chopin's Bolero are more in the style of his nocturnes than strict Bolero. But then, Ravel composed his Bolero for ballet, while Chopin had in mind the concert hall and the piano virtuoso. And the keyboard immortal who plays it for us is Emil Zauer, that elegant master of the keyboard whom we have presented several times in this series. He was born in 1862 and played all over the world almost to the time of his death, 80 years later. He studied with Franz Liszt and Nicholas Rubinstein, the bon vivant brother of Antoine. Emil Zauer gave concerts in the United States during the last years of the 1800s, so it is extremely unlikely that any of our listeners heard him in America. But here, through the magic of Herveltis Vorsetzer and modern tape recordings, we can bring you Emil Zauer playing Chopin's Bolero, Opus 19.
Eric Blom, well-known British editor of books on music, remarks about Chopin's bolero that Chopin tried hard to create a Spanish atmosphere, but just couldn't get away from Poland. However, it is a brilliant piece of piano writing, and the keyboard immortal who played it was Emil Zawa. Few pianists at the turn of the century left such an impression as Paderewski, our next keyboard immortal. I have tried to analyse the tremendous impact he made on the musical world, but in vain. It must have been that indefinable something we call personality. He had a mop of unruly hair, but so did many others. He played beautifully, but so did many others. What was it then? Frankly, I cannot say. Paderewski plays one of Chopin's most characteristic works, a mazurka. Chopin composed no less than 52 mazurkas, and these, with the Polonaises, were his expressions of the love he felt for his native Poland. The mazurka was a popular dance rhythm more than a hundred years ago, but as with the Polonaises, only Chopin's mazurkas have kept their place in the concert hall. Keyboard immortal Ignat Jan Paderewski now plays Chopin's whimsical mazurka, opus 24, number 4.
There is a story about Paderewski that has always interested and somewhat puzzled me. It is said that Paderewski always gave orders that the heat was to be turned up in any concert hall in which he played. This was supposed to keep the audience in a state of excitement. Something exciting certainly happened whenever Paderewski performed. But somehow I think this came from the man himself and not from the abnormal temperature of the hall. Our next keyboard immortal is another link with the greatest of them all, Franz Liszt. He is José Viana da Motta, who studied with Liszt and died as recently as 1948. He was, like Alfred Grünfeld, court pianist to the Kaiser, but from 1917 until his death, he was active as director of the Conservatory and Symphony Orchestra in his native city of Lisbon. While he lived in Germany, however, he made a number of performances for Havelte, and this is fortunate, for the phonograph records of that day were somewhat primitive, and it is only through the Forsetzer that we are able to appreciate what a great pianist de Motta was. He plays another only work of its kind by Chopin, the Tarantelle, Opus 43. The Tarantelle is an Italian dance, now virtually forgotten, but it lives on in the concert hall through the Chopin Tarantelle, now played by keyboard immortal Jose Viana da Motta.
The Tarantelle by Chopin, just played by keyboard immortal de Motta, is one of the few examples of Chopin's works in which he strictly curbs his lyric instincts. It is pure Tarantella throughout, and our keyboard immortal was Vienna de Motta. To conclude our all Chopin program, we present that great lady keyboard immortal, Fanny Bloomfield Zeisler. Although she was born in Austria, her parents emigrated to America when she was only five, and Chicago, where her parents settled, has always claimed her as a native daughter, and her name is forever linked with that city. Madame Zeisler was probably the greatest of the American lady pianists, and her only rival was possibly Teresa Carreño. I discussed that unique phenomenon, the virtuoso, a few programs ago, and Fanny Bloomfield Zeisler undoubtedly was a virtuoso of the first rank. It was more than just being a great pianist. It was that additional, indefinable quality. It is like personality. If you have it, nothing else matters. If you don't have it, nothing can help. Keyboard immortal Fanny Bloomfield Zeisler plays one of Chopin's major concert works, the Scherzo in B-flat minor, Opus 31. It is music in the grand manner, tempestuous and alternating with those lovely lyric melodies that only Chopin knew how to write. It is dedicated to a lady with the impressive title Mademoiselle la Comtesse Adèle de Fürstenstein. Fanny Bloomfield Zeisler plays the Chopin Scherzo in B-flat minor. <laughs>
And so, with keyboard immortal Fanny Bloomfield Seisler's masterful performance of the Schopner B-flat minor scherzo, we bring this all Schopner concert by keyboard immortals to a close. Next week, as a logical follow-up, we will present another all-list program. Of particular interest will be Busoni's performance of the Rigoletto concert arrangement, an example of a specialty of lists. He arranged practically all of the popular operas of his day in this manner. Also to be heard will be such keyboard immortals as Dohnani, Karenio, Gantz, and for the first time on this series, Wanda Landowska, a performance made before she turned to the harpsichord for her musical expression. We'll be happy to have you with us next week. And so on behalf of Sony Superscope, Mr. Joseph Estashinsky and myself, Felix Tocola, I bid you au revoir and auf Wiedersehen. <laughs>